0: Everyone and welcome to episode two of Thelma and Tom Look Left. And uh, welcome, big welcome to Thelma, my co-host Thelma Walker. Hi
1: Tom, how are you doing?
0: I'm okay, Thelma. I'm a little bit nervous, you know me, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't be nervous. You shouldn't be nervous. It's great
1: to talk to you, yeah. and I really enjoyed it last week. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation, and uh, it looks from some of the feedback I've had that. Uh, that quite a few people actually enjoyed oh, it, and I've, I've had
0: some great I, I, feedback. I, I'm so chuffed. I mean, some really lovely stuff, like one person saying, "Oh God, this is just what I needed." I've, I've felt like since it all went pear shaped with the Labour Party that I just haven't had anything to hang on. To. It was really good. So, yeah, you know. and
1: some funny comments. I, I had somebody that said, uh, "Well, I started cleaning the bathroom, um, listening, and um, I'd finished the bathroom, and I'd really enjoyed the uh, the podcast." Yeah, so.
0: I think it's good, <laughs> and I think we've got to keep uh, going. And uh, you know. Uh, by the lower averages, it should get better, and uh, of course. Well,
1: and if we are enjoying it, and um, I, I think who knows? You know, people might be into the uh, head teacher and the hippie having a conversation about so.
0: politics. Absolutely, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, we, we'll. Um, I, I've been thinking about that a lot. The, it's a good combination in a way because, uh, you know, we're coming from very different. Back, well, I know we both said we both went to grammar school and so on, but after school we mm. both went on very different ways, and and um, and then as things have gone on, we've both kind of come together on the same path to a degree. But it's interesting that difference that happened in between, and that will show we're going to sh- ask different questions coming from different points of view, and it's a good balance. Um, yeah,
1: and and the thing with politics as well, there's never a dull moment, is there? There's always something to talk about and that's why I'm just so, well, apart from the fact that obviously good politics brings about change for, uh, for everybody and positive change, but also that it's n- never boring, is it? You know, there's no. always something happening every day and... Uh, Um, And so it'd be great each week to to catch up with you and to talk to our guests. So, uh, yeah, so positive feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And And,
0: uh, and, and also, you know, on the the point of being uh, always something to talk about, I mean, the the list of stuff that we had down to talk about was so huge. There was no way we were ever going to (laughs) fit it into one podcast.
1: well, where do we begin this week? <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> what to you choose?
0: Well, I'm, I'm going. I think we should go straight back to the uh, the thing that was we talked about last week about what's going on in Liverpool. It, it's still all bubbling up. Um,
1: oh, certainly this week, yes. Um, I mean, who would have expected, um, you know, to suspend the the whole mayoral election and those three candidates to prevent them from standing? Uh, three women. Um, in an all-women shortlist, um, I I, I just do not understand the thinking of that and the collective outrage uh, from most Liverpoolians and across the country, I I have to say. Um, uh, You you just wonder, what what was anybody thinking doing that?
0: Well, who do you think took Um, the decision? What level is the decision being taken at, Thelma?
1: uh, Well... One can only think, um, general secretary, I, I I presume i I don't have the inside story about what has happened. Um, just uh, and then and then to say who uh, who can apply has two days, is it? Is it until tomorrow? Uh, to actually put something. no,
0: actually, I, I, I did I meant to go on Twitter and see if I could find out, but i heard I think I heard that the deadline for uh, applying was twelve o'clock today. So,
1: oh, today? Yeah, oh, I, oh it's I even me- worse than I thought. I've, I thought I it forgot was tomorrow. I about
0: it. I meant to find out before we did the record. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. there's yeah. a strong likelihood that they'll get no applications because uh, I saw a list of all the favourite names that, that they were hoping that they would attract and quite a few of them are saying they wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. It, it,
1: well, I, I, you think the thing is, you know, who takes on Liverpool? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I mean, I was talking about it, but... It, you know, the, to take to take on the city of Liverpool, um, and and their wishes, um, and and their three councillors as well. Because I was thinking, well, if they're elected Labour councillors, how 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 is it justified to prevent them from standing if it's okay for them to be Labour councillors? I, there's almost like a contradiction oh, there. It, it,
0: it's
1: I, a contradiction. I, I, I just chaos and and if if you could say, oh, this is a one-off, but we we're seeing other other. Uh, instances of democracy being threatened, yeah. um, I think across the country, and that is the big concern. Yeah. Um, I feel the big concern. Yeah, no, I, um, I read
0: this thing uh, about how one of the reasons that um, the the um, the big parties don't really like this mayoral situation they, is because in the past um, the ca- the the actual councils, which were like a kind of closed shop would elect Mm -hmm. their own leaders whereas now they've let the people have the job of electing leaders and they've lost control and they really can't handle that Mm -hmm. so they're Mm -hmm. they're actually going to start voting eventually voting back so they can have control again in other words taking democracy Mm -hmm. out of the hands of the people it makes me furious actually
1: yes yeah i know i was i was fuming i had to put something on social media just to say i was fuming <laughs> and I, I i must say i did i did put something on to say well what are labour women's network saying about this and uh, it, just yesterday they had issued a a, a, a letter uh, calling on david evans you know to say how did this happen in an all women shortlist so i was pleased to see that yeah um, because it's democracy, as we say, being threatened, um, and, and this idea of not having the ordinary person's um, voice in, in decision making um, and in our elections, um, and you know, we can't let that happen. You know, not in a, a democratic state. It's just uh, unacceptable. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure we don't need um, uh, the Liverpoolians to have us speak up for them. I'm sure they'll, they'll voice their. Uh, concerns uh, themselves but yeah outrageous really I think
0: yeah on that on that subject of democracy Thelma I am changed go off topic a little bit here Um, (laughs) but uh, I I was having a look last night I have been uh, eligible to vote in 14 elections general elections in my life
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah the first one just as an aside the Labour candidate in the first election I was eligible to vote for was Robert Maxwell oh. in, in 1970. Anyway, that's nothing to do with anything really, but it's an interesting point. I actually went and watched him speaking in the village, about 50 metres away from where I lived. And he, he got out of his car, I think he turned up in a Rolls Royce, and uh, got out of his car and gave a speech to about a dozen of us listening to him. Uh, anyway, he didn't get in. Um, so, um, but he he was already the MP at that point, and he lost his seat at that election. But out of those 14 elections, there have been two where my vote counted for anything. Now, this is democracy, top-down democracy, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I think it's, we have to seriously start to question what's going on here. You know, we don't have a say. Not, the the little guys don't have a say, really.
1: No. Um, I mean, we've got to have electoral reform. There's there's no two ways about it. Um, If we're ever going to achieve true democracy, we've got to have electoral reform. Um, And I spoke last week about um, PR, uh, my concerns about the boundary review. I think that's a threat. Yeah. Um, The fact that I I believe 16-year-olds should be allowed the vote, Um, and the Tories sit on that every time that came up in Parliament, when I was in Parliament. Yeah. Um, So there's there's so much that needs to change. Um, And I'll be interested to talk to uh, uh, Rebecca uh, later uh, just about Westminster and democracy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, please do.
0: Please do. Yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, Yeah. yeah.
0: We're, we're, I'm looking forward to that so much. Uh, so, uh, you know, there, there you go. So we're, I, I wonder whether we'll come back to this topic next week. it would be very interesting. I think it's, it's uh, moving quite fast. And I think they're having a meeting at the weekend, the Liverpool situation I'm talking about, um, to decide whether to just not bother having a mayoral election because in a couple of years' time, there's a scheduled meeting to decide whether they want to have um, a mayor at all. Um,
1: yeah, I think it's the Labour group are coming together, aren't they? Um, because they don't like being told what to do, yeah. um, you know. So it's a fast-moving situation, yeah, really. Yeah. And, uh, and and again, another situation that was totally um, avoidable. Yeah. Uh, that that's I, I keep saying that, you know, at local level with um, our Labour uh, CLP, a lot of the things that have happened. Have been avoidable, yeah. um, and I, I just don't know who is the mastermind <laughs> behind a lot of this decision making at the moment. But whoever it is, really needs to take responsibility okay. in the future yeah. for yeah. doing a lot of damage to the to the Labour Party and the brand, as it were. Yeah, um, yeah. each day uh, this uh, seems to be worse and worse each day. Um, so let's watch this space on on uh, what's happening in Liverpool. I think.
0: Yeah, unbelievable. Anyway, oh, on another another Labour Party topic, um, we can probably talk about this before we uh, introduce our guest. Um, Jeremy Corbyn, suspended from the PLP, uh, not not from the Labour Party, I don't think, just from the PLP, mm. I think that's correct. So he has to stand in mm. Parliament as an independent MP. Uh, Initially, we were told it would be for three months. It's now gone over the three months. I honestly Mm. don't know whether they're just kicking this into long grass and just going to let it fester for years, like they quite often do, or whether they genuinely don't know how to handle it, because I can't see Uh. how they can really win in this situation. But... um,
1: No, I can't. And Jeremy, being Jeremy, just kind of seems to be able to rise above these things, doesn't he? I mean, all this is going on, but what does he do? He continues to be a great MP for his constituency and just accidentally form a uh, peace and justice movement. (laughs) And it's just so typically Jeremy to kind of rise above it. I mean, it must hurt for him. Um, a lifelong member of the Labour Party and he still is a member of the Labour Party but to not have that whip and, and and being independent can't sit easily with him but he's got on with doing his job for his constituents and he's got on with working on this international project um, and I've just got immense respect for him and, and for how he's handling this um, but, you know, not returning the whip I, I think they're in a a really tricky situation uh, but Labour because if he comes back in it's what would happen uh, with Jeremy back in the PLP and if he uh, stays out the peace and justice project seems to be growing from strength to strength um, so they've, they've made this situation again all of it was unnecessary yeah. Um, And uh, I just think, you know, um, my respect continues for Jeremy in that he has, as I say, risen above it and got on with doing the job that an MP should be doing. And that's representing all of his constituents and and working on an international project, bringing people together, um, you know, for social justice and climate justice. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, well, again, another situation that, uh, that we'll watch. I mean, one of the things I'm thinking for Jeremy is those those PLP meetings on a Monday night that I used to dread. Uh, he doesn't have to go to those <laughs> anymore. <laughs> 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 Sometimes we must, <laughs> we
0: must get round to talking about what those meetings were like. I, I had no idea uh, what that was <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs> if, well, I mean, I don't want to speak for Jeremy, but I know if I could have missed those Monday night meetings, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, think he might be, I think he might be thanking his lucky stars for not having to yeah. go to those. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: hoping to have a chat with <laughs> Becky later about what it's actually like to be an MP in the House of Commons, because obviously the, the, the man in the street has no idea. Uh, what's involved so I mean, you can obviously join in with that because you've been, been there yourself too. yeah
1: I mean that is a you know that is a privilege for me to, to it was a privilege and and it is a privilege to be able to to say even though it was only for two and a half years that I've had my teaching and education mm. career but then had that had that um, two and a half years which was, was as I say a great privilege well, it's a huge insight um, isn't it into yeah yeah yes it is actually and and I do Try and always be fair as well, because there's some great people and great things happening. Um, but but also you you see how it works and and the culture yeah, um, yeah. Uh, there, you know. So you have a better understanding, really. But on on the,
0: on the subject of uh, of uh, Jeremy, I mean, I don't want to make this the Jeremy Corbyn show, but. Um, you know, he plays such a central role in left-wing politics over the last, well, uh, over his life, but certainly over the last few years has been astonishing. Uh, but just, uh, I've been having, you know, lots of thoughts about this because I'm, I'm not into big leaders and so on like that, but I can see now how difficult it is for the left to come together without a leader and, um, And uh, you know, you can see people arguing uh, already, and just saying, "Oh, no, this, and I don't like this person. I don't like that person." Mm. And just think, the only thing that's really going to bring this together is some real focus point, and um, and that's basically probably going to have to be a leader of some kind. I don't know. Uh, It's just a thought I've been playing with.
1: No, you're right. It's it's challenging times for for the left, but I I think I've said before, though, I'm feeling more optimistic because I can see really good work going on across the country with different groups, campaign groups, political groups, uh, the Peace and Justice Project that I've already mentioned, um, and and people coming together at Collective Action to to bring about change um, in in the workplace as well. Um, And what I want my kind of vision is is to have a movement, to, to create this movement, to bring the left together. And from that, what I'm hoping is that not a leader, but the leader will emerge. Because I think there's an awful lot of talent on the left of people who have gone for the leadership in the past or have you know shown themselves on the front bench to be strong and principled. um but it's it's the one it's it's the one that in these challenging times can prove themselves can show themselves to have that strength that integrity those principles that wisdom as well really um to make the right choices um and and to be strong enough um to lead um but but i think it's about getting that movement um or bringing people on the left together and what I'm hoping is that the leader will emerge from that. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I can um, I can see a, that. I kind of was hoping I in my naivety, I think possibly, I was kind of hoping the people will do this, you know, we'll will come together as one. It's flipping big ask, to be honest.
1: Um well, I do think you have to have a movement. It's not just about a person, it's not personality politics as you end up with Kind of,
0: yeah.
1: you know, populist stuff yeah. with Boris Johnson yeah, and Co. Yeah. That that's not what we socialists should be about. No. Uh, it is about the people, but I, I do think it it does need a, a figurehead. You know, obviously it needs it needs somebody. But I I think throwing names out. I mean, I've I've mentioned you know Zara Sultana is yeah, yeah, an yeah. up and coming Richard Bergen, Becky. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, there's 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 quite a number of people. Um, who who you could, uh, Laura Pidcock, who who's n- no longer sadly an MP, but you know shows shows real yeah, principle, yeah, strength, yeah. bravery, all all of those qualities. You could name, and and you know there'll be some I haven't mentioned. I I think yeah, you know they they really do show leadership potential. But unless you've got the the left and and that movement and and those policies in place, because policy development um which, which i know john McDonnell with the claim the future uh, project is working on um at the moment and doing some really good work um policy development is really important because you've got to know what you stand for and what you're going to deliver um as a, as a future party and um and i think claim the future's you know informing from the left what policy should be in place um and policies i want to see from labour but i'm i'm certainly not seeing at the moment um i'm afraid um but it's it 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 is bringing that movement together bringing those having those correct policies for post pandemic society that that is that is the the really important thing I
0: i think what you've got to have with it with all of this stuff is you've got to have grassroots democracy and transparency to keep the whole thing um in order uh, so that you don't yes. end up with people playing political games and power structures that get out of hand and all of that stuff that is just such a wind-up for the ordinary people.
1: Yeah. I, I think what I've said before um, is that there's too many egos in the room sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's on the left as well, where you've got really good people who who are really very principled and... Um, you know they're good socialists, but with some, it's almost like, well, I'm leading it or I'm not playing. Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I that it, it, you know, that's not what it should be about. It is. It, it is about grassroots, as you say. It's about, it's about communities having a voice in 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 what happens and uh, and the policies that are put in place and uh, and collect, you know working together for everybody's well-being um and that that's what it should be about and i i think there's some great people involved in in socialism and um and socialist politics and i i think i'm a born optimist and i yes, i think indeed. i think we've gone through a really hard year
2: um
1: all yes. more and um i i i can as i've said see the green shoots now of of people coming together but i do think people some are going to have to leave their egos behind and and work for the greater good um, and, and accept if they're, they're not going to be the leader that I mentioned before, they're going to have to accept that and still continue to work, uh, as I say, for the, for the greater good.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally. Yeah, good. OK, so I think we're probably going to just uh, round up this little bit of the programme now and, uh, and we're going to actually move over to Zoom for the next section where we've got our special guest. So uh, see you in a minute. Bye. Bye. Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased to welcome our first guest to our podcast, Rebecca Long-Bailey. Uh, some months ago, she was the uh, Shadow Secretary of State for Education. Uh, I think now you're a backbench MP, aren't you, Rebecca? I'm going to be in get all sorts of muddle between Rebecca <laughs> and Rebecca. You just have to just have to go with that. Um, but um, yeah, uh, on the left of the Labour Party, let's just say. And I, I think you're a good friend of uh, my co-host, Thelma Walker, aren't you?
1: well I, oh no, I know I am just it's gonna be a bit of a lefty uh, love in here <laughs> I'm, i uh, I'm so pleased to see you Becky uh, even if it is at a distance and uh, uh, and hear your voice um and uh, just a warm welcome and you're our very first guest as Tom says so uh, we're, we're delighted to have you here and uh, um I have to tell you Becky that um after a really hard year for all of us but especially after I lost the con Valley sea um that one of the best bits of news I had over the past year was when you were appointed um, Shadow Secretary of State for Education, um, you know, as a former head teacher. Um, that news for me, in fact, I'm sure John won't mind saying, but I was in Aldi. And um, I got this phone call the day you were appointed and it was John McDonald saying, you'll never guess what, Selma, I've got some great news. And it was that you'd been appointed as, as Shadow Secretary of State for Education. And I was jumping up and down in Aldi um, <laughs> with my supermarket trolley because <laughs> I, so, I was so pleased to hear that. And, um, and I, I just wanted to ask you... Um, how it how it feels now to be on the back benches, having had that period of time where you were able to have a, that voice on, on education?
2: It's frustrating. I mean, it was frustrating as Shadow Education Secretary, when you look at what the government's doing and the absolute shambolic way that they've dealt with schools and education throughout the whole pandemic. Um, and as a backbencher... I mean, I we're doing this work anyway as a, as a constituency MP, but as you know, you're not allowed to speak um, in certain debates because of being a member of the front bench. So being a backbench MP now gives me the opportunity mm-hmm. to raise more issues directly on behalf of my constituents, which is a good thing, but it's quite soul-destroying because we know what needs to be done. We know that the mm-hmm. government is making a complete hash of everything, deliberately so. Um, I don't think it's just a question of incompetence. And we know how much work we've got to do as a party, not just to represent our communities and fight against the government about the way they're being treated, but to develop a strategy, a coherent political strategy that shows a vision of what we believe in and what we're going to do to rebuild our economy and our communities after this pandemic. So I've been doing a lot of that in the background as well as helping my constituents.
1: Yeah, just coming in on that, if if you were still uh, Shadow Education Secretary, what would you be calling for from the government on education at the moment, if you, if you still had that role?
2: Well, there's two key things uh, as of today that need to be focused on. The first point is about safety. And as we all know, the government's moving to reopen all schools on March the 8th. And this flies in the face of scientific advice. Even the government's own nerve tag advisor on Sunday called the government's move reckless because we all know that although pupils and children are at a lower risk of developing symptoms of coronavirus, they act. As vectors for transmission at a time where we haven't got through all the vulnerable cohorts in terms of vaccination yet let alone moved on to other age groups it's a very dangerous thing to do and i don't understand why the government hasn't moved to a more phased approach like they have in scotland for example where they can let some year groups in assess the data to see how it affects transmission They've moved to a, a big bang reopening, and I'm I just I'm really frightened, quite frankly, of how we're going to see transmission rates increase, because if you look at graphs at what happened in September, we were getting on top of transmission and the virus, and then in September, transmission rates started to rocket, and then we saw the local lockdowns, and then national lockdowns, and the government acting very, very slowly on all of it. And ignoring the science even telling people that schools were fine to open on the 4th of january this year only to decide that night that i oh, actually yeah children are vectors for transmission we're going to have to close everything down so if i was the shadow education secretary i'd be urging more caution i'd be urging the government to actually listen to the proposals that have been put forward by education unions which aren't radical proposals proposals yes. Yeah, I was just going to come in there, Becky, you know,
1: just on the unions, because I, I actually think that the union leaders, especially Kevin and Mary for the NEU, have been doing an absolutely fantastic job at, at, at working on a very clear recovery plan. Um, and it's it's good to hear you say that, because I, I don't understand why why are the government, and I have to say, the current Labour front bench, why are they ignoring the union recovery plan do you think or seem
2: to be i don't know i think certain politicians have boxed themselves into a corner where supporting teaching unions is somehow seen as radical or extreme and they fail to recognize that for the first time certainly in my lifetime we've seen all of the education unions working as one in unison ones yeah. that have very different political opinions and Um, allegiances to to different political parties they're all working together around this sensible set of proposals the government's ignoring them and we really should be supporting them more uh, as a movement and as a a Labour party and I I think we need to be firmer in, in outlining what they've set out and how sensible what they've offered is because the worry is is that if we don't see a phased approach to school reopening, if we don't see some of the sensible um, ideas, such as increased ventilation, using additional school space, uh, rotors for, for different year groups on different days in the early stages of easing the lockdown, we're going to end up in another lockdown. That means children are going to be out of school for much longer. And worse, we're going to see deaths. And that's yeah. what it's all about. People make the false assumption that when I've been talking about teaching unions and safety within schools, that it's all about teachers and teaching staff. It's never been about teachers and teaching staff. They've been in school throughout this crisis throughout. This is about protecting the wider community. um, And I think someone needs to tell that story from a labour perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you and I, I can actually second that about the unions coming together. You said in your lifetime, Becky, but actually in my lifetime too. I've I've never known in my educational career all the unions and, and you're right from the different political perspectives as well. Um so so you know that collective voice really should be listened to. And I keep saying, listen to the professionals, you know? So, um, yeah. Um, well, thanks for that, Becky. But um, could I move on to um, the socialist campaign group? Um, there's, I, I know that the members of the socialist campaign group are under a lot of pressure at the moment um, from the left or many on the left to say, well, come on, do something. <laughs> um, now, if I put to you, which is, I think a lot of people are saying, is that can the Socialist Campaign Group make a difference in Labour anymore? Um, wouldn't wouldn't they have more impact if they were to um, to leave to to give up the whip and to become independent or to come out of the Labour Party? So, what what would you say to that about the the work of the Socialist Campaign Group and can it be can it be effective? with the current situation we've got in Parliament?
2: Of course it can. I mean, it's difficult at the moment because we're all meeting on Zoom. So we're not we're not having the usual discussions um, about the intricacies of policy and what's happening in the party in the way that we normally would. But um, in terms of, you know, do we have a place in the Labour Party anymore? It's our party. The Labour Party was created by the trade unions to bring together voices from across the centre-left to build the most formidable force to defeat the Conservatives. And I think if we move away from that, we're in very, very dangerous territory. I think if we start shifting the party away from its traditional trade union values, I think we're in a very dangerous place. And if we don't recognise that we've got to set out what can only be described now as a paradigm shift in economic thinking and policy making to differentiate ourselves as a party from everything that's on offer politically. And we can't just attack the conservatives or row within the party and have our continuous battles for who controls what. We've got to start thinking about what that vision is going to be and start selling it to our communities. Um, And I mean, it's difficult because What we always end up descending into in the party is a battle to the death for the soul of the party. And certain groups try to control the machinery and push other groups out. And we're going through a period at the moment where it very much looks like the left is being pushed out of the party in the hope that we'll leave and that that voice won't be there anymore. And that will be fatal because we won't be representing the communities properly that we seek to represent without those voices without those people to develop the policies that are really going to shape the future. I don't think we're ever going to win a general election again. And then there are arguments, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a bit of a rant now. Then there are people who think that, you know, the answer to all of our prayers is to go back to 1997. It's not, it's not even the answer to go back six years, five years. We need to think in a completely different way now. We've got to recognise that what happened in 1997, it might have been great and fantastic, that we had a landslide victory then, but every election after that, we started to see dramatic declines in our vote share. We've seen the erosion of our support base right across the country. And it's because we were failing to recognise the failures of the economic model that we have here in this country and how it doesn't work for most people. So we've got start setting out a different narrative. And I don't think we're there yet within the party. And that's where I hope the Socialist Campaign Group will really start doing its work. And they have, John's been doing lots of work on this already. Jeremy himself has been doing work on it. I've been working in the background with other members of the campaign group, trying to develop those policies so that we can try and push them through the party, really, and offer that alternative.
1: I agree with you. I definitely agree with you about the erosion of the vote share over a number of years for a number of reasons. Some of it being people kind of parachuted into seats and all of that. We won't go into that. But I mean, I would maintain unless there's electoral reform, which Tom and I have just been talking about. I'm not sure to be honest, it's possible, but I don't doubt your passion and your vision, Becky, uh, Becky and your your determination to make it happen and I fully support you with that and, re- and respect you and and John for, for keeping up the fight and others um, in the SCG um, but uh, yeah I, I worry without electoral reform uh, and open selection in particular that, that you know within our party that, that, that it's possible but you know certainly I would support you, your vision uh, and your determination uh, definitely um, Tom, do you do you want to come in? Sorry, we, you've got these two strong northern women here having a really good.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> good. No, I'm, I'm I'm really enjoying listening. I just want to say uh, one question I'd like to ask you, uh, Becky, is uh, you know clearly the the 2017 and 2019 manifestos. I, I think everybody on the left accepts they were utterly brilliant, and um, and the Green New Deal. Um, I I'm I mean that that. All that really means a lot to me, and it's all I can see it all being flushed down the pan, really, and uh, which is quite heartbreaking, I think, for a lot of us on the left, um, especially for me environmentally. I, I you know, I'm, I suppose I, I'm that way inclined, and people might say, you know, I'm a bit brown rice and sandals type of guy. Um, uh, I just wondered in reality where you're at with this because like I just took a very quick look through the media this morning less than a minute and uh, listen to this Gl- global freshwater fish populations at risk of extinction climate crisis hits worst case scenario levels ice loss forces polar bears to use four times as much energy to survive on and on and on this kind of stuff coming out and um, and the young people today and and the old hippies and you know that kind of people are thinking this government and these politicians they, they they're not even acknowledging this let alone doing anything about it i mean where do you stand on that and do you do you i mean i know this is scaring this is for headlines all this stuff but it's it's getting pretty real there's pictures of polar bears and I, i'm just wondering where you're at with it all really becky
2: it's like this if we don't do the majority of the work to reach net zero by 2030 that's why there was such a massive ding dong at the last party conference about that date if we don't do the majority of the work to reach net zero by then we're not going to reverse climate change we're already seeing the effects of it now as you've said people might not see it in their front gardens or back gardens they'll see changes in the weather but it won't directly affect them just yet but when it does it'll be too late to do anything about it. And all the campaigners that we've seen over the last two years, the the youth strikers, they get this, they understand, and they've been campaigning relentlessly to try and force politicians to do something about it. But where we're at at the minute is you've got Boris Johnson, who's pinched my title, by the way, Green Industrial Revolution, (laughs) not a Industrial Revolution by any stretch of the imagination at all. Um, They've promised £12 as part of their... 10-point recovery plan uh, on green issues, whereas other countries like Germany have, have um, promised 40 billion. And even then, that's not enough to really make the change that we need to. But the saddest thing about all of this was that we know we've got to tackle climate change. We're going to have to change industries. We're going to have to change the way we live our lives. If we're in any terms of having you know, survival for the next generation and the generation after that, But what we could have done was used it as the biggest economic lever we've ever seen to improve people's lives. We could have changed the way that companies were restructured. We could have had publicly owned wind farms. We could have brought utilities back into public ownership so that the economy and the prosperity that it was creating was actually going into people's pockets and into communities where it was needed. And what we're seeing now... And what I worry is that we'll retreat back into within the party is this kind of piecemeal tinkering around the edges, a tax here and there, a grant here and there, a huge industrial program that can build new factories in places that saw economic decline over the last 40 years and really give people a future. And if we don't capitalize on it now, we're going to have missed the boat politically as a party but we're also going to miss the boat in terms of making sure we survive and um i think it's one of the most important things that any politician has got to deal with at the minute aside from the pandemic
0: yeah that's great to hear and i mean i i mean it's so tempting to just bury your head in the sand because it's uh it's so hideous to watch people just you know, paying lip service to this stuff and not actually doing anything about it, and in and in fact, worse, doing stuff that's counterproductive. Um,
1: the work so. that the work that um, Becky did um, with John McDonnell and the front bench was amazing on that green industrial revolution and that work and the manifesto. Well, the Greens gave up, didn't they? Really, before they <laughs> on that work because it was so good. Um, and we outgreen the Greens um, in terms of policy on climate change. And you did some fantastic work, Becky. And when you talked before about being, there's a bit of frustration there when you're um, not on the front bench. I, I feel frustrated about those policies that, um, that we had, which I, I do hope in the future are going to be upheld uh, by the current Labour front bench. Um, because everything you say, I agree with. And, uh, and it was a fantastic manifesto and a fantastic piece of work. Um, for the future um so so j- can I just ask you one um one last question though Becky just one of, about your life and what you're doing now of uh, one I've been asked a lot is what's kept you going during lockdown just a general question what what you know because it's been a long time isn't it I mean I know you'll still be busy being an MP but you know what what kind of things have, have kept you going <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, see, I haven't become an alcoholic. No, what's kept me going during lockdown? It, it, the, the, the positive thing, I mean, you've got to look at the, the positives. Yeah. I mean, it's been harrowing. I don't think there'll be many people listening to this who won't have been affected by the pandemic or who won't have lost the loved one. I mean, we've lost people in our mm. family, sadly. But it's been nice to be at home. And although we're driving each other round the bend, and I actually want to have a conversation with people other than my husband and my little boy. Um, it's been nice to see them all the time. And as a politician, you don't get that and you have to try yeah. and get those little cherished moments as, as often as you can. So I think when I look back, I'll probably rose tint um, you know, my time at home and think, oh, it was actually lovely to spend time with Steve and Rowling. Yeah. If I, I, if I haven't, if I haven't uh, you know, lost the plot by the time. <laughs> I've,
1: I've changed no. my mind
2: in a couple of weeks. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I've, I've had lots of conversations with uh, female MPs in particular, but it's the same for men with children and family, you know, family, of getting that balancing act, you know, um, between... Because the life in Parliament is, it, it, it is just full-on, isn't it? And um, when you're away from home. So um, I, I would imagine that has been a, a plus side of it, really. That, that and the gin, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So... Tom, have
0: you got any other questions for Becky? I think we're about done for time, really. I, I, uh, I'd i love to carry on talking. I've got a long list, but, um, yeah, it's been lovely to meet you, Becky. I'm really pleased you agreed to come on and, and be our first guest, and uh, I hope you'll come back again sometime And uh, when we're a bit more established and... Uh, We'll have some really tough questions organised for
2: you then. <laughs> oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tom and Thelma. You've cheered me up. Oh, it's great to see you, Becky. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank
0: you. Bye. Goodbye, Becky. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Well, Thelma, that was pretty powerful stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I was really impressed. I... It's so different when you meet someone in person like that to when you just see them on the telly, isn't it?
1: Yeah, she's just a wonderful, inspirational person. And um, as I say, the work that uh, she did on the front bench um, on the Green Industrial Revolution and and then when she was uh, Shadow Education Secretary, you know, I just have immense respect, uh, immense respect for Becky. um, And uh, I'm sure she's got a great future ahead of her.
0: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been good to talk a bit more, but, uh, you know, that I understand this whole thing, that's so busy, clearly.
1: Yes, uh, non- yeah.
0: Non-stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, speechless after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know whether we've got anything else that we wanted to... Oh, I, I was just going to say that some good news this week, and uh, just in case anyone hadn't seen it, um, Greta Thunberg... Uh, has been awarded a Blue Peter badge.
1: Oh, <laughs> I haven't heard that. Oh, that is yeah. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is, the that
0: prestigious is. Blue Peter badge. Oh, that, that uh, is, uh, that is I, What I,
1: an achievement. <laughs> Never mind the yeah, no, Nobel I, Peace <coughs> Prize when you've got a Blue Peter
0: badge. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing that the Tory party would be furious with that because yeah. they're trying to sort of stop the BBC doing anything uh. Uh, that way inclined but anyway uh, ah, it's there just you are. great New to Peter see Bunches.
1: Greta and young people you know kind of um, having that voice in their future and uh, and what she's brought about is absolutely amazing isn't it so yeah I'm really I'm really chuffed to hear about that as well yeah <laughs> uh,
0: and, and just before we say uh, goodbye to everyone there's just one last very small topic really I'd just sort of like to talk to you about Thelma which is uh, just to focus on the Tories for a minute um I wondered if you'd noticed over the last few weeks, three or four weeks perhaps, a, uh, a bit of a change of vibe coming out of um, uh, 10 Downing Street. Uh, possibly, well, well, coincidentally but not, I think, with, um, with uh, Dominic Cummings leaving. And, uh, and also w- whether you had any views on this idea, um, you know, wh- is, is Carrie Simmons in charge of the country now or, or what?
1: Um, there's definitely been a change, and um, I mean, far be it from me to to praise Boris Johnson, but I I think there there's definitely been a culture shift. I mean, it's it's not just having uh Carrie involved, uh Carrie Simmons involved. This is it, Ale- Allegra Stratton, his new yeah, pres- press right, and yeah. uh, comms uh, person who's very experienced with the media and you you can see that he is fronting more things i mean you, you, i've always got this image of of these two women saying no get out there and do it you know <laughs> no there's yeah. no excuses you you're, g- you're going to be yeah. out there and you're going to you're going to answer the questions and you're going to do it and you definitely feel that there's more there's tighter organisation um and he's out there um he's at the vaccination centres and he's in the schools uh, and he's campaigning. I mean, what he's using this pandemic for, as far as I can see, just before the local elections, he's going around the country campaigning. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's clever. It, it's, and, it, and, it's, yeah. and it's working. And you get people on social media, there's been some f- really funny um, clips of him wiping down and cleaning the chairs and all that and the narrative that goes with it. But I, I put on a tweet, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows yeah, exactly how the humour, the interpersonal stuff going on, and I know it sounds harsh, but that's what the opposition leader hasn't got. Even totally though.
0: Outclassed, you you totally outclassed. Totally
1: outclassed. Johnson has always known what he was doing. There is a charisma yeah. there. Even if you, you hate his politics mm. and what he stands for. He is popular with a lot of people, but he knows mm-hmm. exactly what he's doing, and I think the people who are around him currently, compared to what we had in the past, know how to work that, and and that's what's very scary at the moment, because yeah. people yeah. can be taken in by that, um, whilst they're getting away with eroding our democracy. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. And that that is the worry. The real worry for me at the moment because labor at the moment are not counteracting that in my opinion yeah
0: yeah good answer good answer thelma yeah okay so there we are we've come to the end of our episode two of our podcast and uh, i thoroughly enjoyed it again
1: yeah so me, me too th- tom me too
0: <laughs> thank you for your company Thelma, and i'd just like to say to uh, any of anybody listening if you' have enjoyed this podcast, please remember like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I don't really understand how podcasts work, but I, I'm picking up that to get out to get this podcast out there to more people, we really need uh, subscribe and share. So if you do enjoy the podcast, please do that for us.
1: So uh, thank you, Tom. I've really enjoyed it again. And thank you to Rebecca Long-Bailey MP for joining us. It was wonderful to have her on with us. And um, if you enjoyed listening, please do, as Tom said, share. Uh, our second podcast and we look forward to you joining us again so keep well everybody and solidarity Solidarity. Oh, yeah <laughs> we'll have to call
0: that yeah so. really good i i i was gonna say to you i forgot to say it delma End the show by saying solidarity. Yeah. Is such <laughs> Shall a I just good do that line. sentence
1: again and then you well, can cut yeah, the other one? Go on, bit. let's do it again. <laughs> yeah.
0: We might keep all that section in anyway. But yeah, go but on don't,
1: I, no, I don't want well, that muff at the end. I just said it, my teeth got stuck there. <laughs> 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 so if you've enjoyed the, the show, um, then do share and uh, and come and join us again for our next episode. So keep well
2: and solidarity.